Friends, the Elegant Excellence Journal is coming back in 2023, and I am so excited about the changes we have made for you this year. Some you have asked for for quite a while, and some you didn't even know to ask for, but I know you are going to love. So get on the waitlist today at elegantexcellencejournal.com, and I will put that link in the description below. If you aren't already one of our thousands of users over the years, the Elegant Excellence Journal is a guided journal you can use daily or less that supports you in vision casting your life, setting and achieving your goals, learning more about yourself, and most importantly, being in regular conversation with yourself to self-coach, adjust, celebrate, process, and become more peaceful in your life and more proud of who you are and what you're making happen. So be the first to know in the new year when you get on the VIP list at the link below or elegantexcellencejournal.com. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. When you really think about it, making decisions is pretty much what we do all day exercising our right or responsibility to make choices. And we've been doing this about our entire lives from the time that you can shake your head or point at what you want or speak up for the toy you want to play with or the television show. Our parents and teachers and coaches were telling us to make good choices. They were encouraging this in us, training us in this. My mom, I remember whenever she would hand my sister money, she'd hand for like $20 to go to the mall or something. And she would say, choose wisely, which is a quote from Indiana Jones. And they have it when you go on the ride at Disneyland. So every time my sister and I walk by, we always turn to each other and say, choose wisely. A decision can change the course of your life. Absolutely. Or you can have times when you think it will. You are positive that this person, this move, this job, this moment, this accolade, this level is going to change everything. And then it doesn't. Sometimes we choose rashly, quickly, impulsively. Sometimes we waffle for so long that all of the options just seem more miserable. I remember a friend's therapist years ago said to her, you are holding out this glass that's half empty or half full. And every week, you are just holding out the glass and staring at at it, and your arm is getting tired. It is just the decision fatigue that is making this seem so much heavier and harder than it needs to be. Sometimes we can't decide, and so we never take action. It's, I know what my decision is, which is not to decide. How many times have I sung into the woods on this podcast? Sometimes we regret our decisions. Sometimes we're proud of them. And so often I am finding that we aren't sure because the thing didn't work out. But when we look back, we ask ourselves, how would I have known? Like, isn't it unreasonable to look back with that hindsight that we say is 2020 and think I could have made another plausible choice? If you really looked at everything I knew, that would have been the wisest, most logical, reasonable, rational choice I could have made. There wasn't really a good option B, and I had no way of knowing it wasn't going to work. It is only in hindsight that I can look back. So this is going to be a three-part series on how we make choices, how we make decisions. 
because it is something that we wrestle with so frequently that affects whether we are dating or in a relationship or leaving a marriage or dating again or having children or how we're raising our children or what we're doing for our career or whether we are changing careers or starting a business or stopping a business or prioritizing our health or our mental health. Every single area all day long, we are making choices. And I realized that choices is the theme that my one of my best friends and I talk about most often. Some are small, some are big, but they're all about us trying to make the wisest choices for ourselves, trying to learn from our choices, trying to have wisdom in our choices, trying to have grace for ourselves when the choices don't work out perfectly. So today I want to zoom out to the God universe magic part of it all. Because all day in those micro or macro decisions, I am making choices and I think in the moment that I know what the impact is. I'm going to make a choice to record this podcast in time for my editor to get it queued up for Wednesday or not. I am looking ahead to today, tomorrow, next week. And sometimes I'm making choices to free myself up a few months from now. I'm looking a little farther down the line. Or the vision of the life I want a year from now. The financial goal I want to have three years from now. But all along the way, I'm thinking, I'm strategizing, I'm forecasting. This will lead to this. If I do this, then that. And I'm looking ahead down the road to see what is the impact going to be. What is the result going to be in the end? And I never know for sure, but I am taking my best guess. And that's all any of us can do. So we use our Elegant Excellence journals to lean into the ownership over our lives. Being present, staying awake, in conversation with ourselves, adjusting along the way to cultivate the lives that we really want, which is wonderful. We have nothing to lose and everything to gain by using our wisdom, intention, and energy to co-create our lives. Yes. And there is also an element of fate, providence, destiny, magic, God. I don't know what you want to call it, but I have been percolating on this thanks to a very soft and furry three-pound bean who came into our lives recently, our new kitten, Freddie Cappuccino. And I want to share that story with you today, not only because it's adorable and fun, which it is, but because it had a long tail of incidents that had to happen. Decisions I made or were made for me, things I thought were good calls, things I was frustrated and I thought that they were not working out for me, and the fact that I thought I knew what I wanted, but I didn't. And I think it's a delightful case study in remembering with joy, really, that there is, in my belief, a God. There is some magic. There is a plan for our lives even better than the ones that we can plan. And again, my personal view of God is that he wants you to use your wisdom and your gifts. So it's not simply lying back and receiving and waiting for it to all unfold. But as you lean in and collaborate with the universe, it's being open in humility that there are also things that will surprise you and silver linings that you don't see at the time. So we met this kitten because my husband, Jeremy, 
went to visit his best friend who lives at a farm in upstate New York, in Hudson, New York. So first off, Jeremy has to decide to go to the farm. And then who in the world knows what happens for the first eight weeks of this little cat's life? Did someone decide to allow their cat to have kittens and then lose one of them along the way? We have no idea what the the origins are of little Freddy Cappuccino. But Mr. Freddy Cappuccino has to decide to go up to our friend Tully and Liz's house. And he is meowing outside and they hear him. Now, they live on farmland. They know their neighbors. They don't have that many neighbors. No one that they know had a cat who was expecting. They cannot figure out where this cat came from. But little Mr. Freddy Cappuccino, of all the houses he could end up at, he ends up at Tully and Liz's. And they already have three cats, so they know how to take care of him. So he's got like mites and all these things. Liz is giving him multiple baths a day. They know all the things to do. If this was me and a cat showed up, I'd have no idea. They know all the things to do. Like the Lord is smiling down on little lost orphan Freddy Cappuccino. Little tiny bundle of two pounds at that point. So then Tully and Liz had to decide they really didn't want to keep him. They've already got three cats. They're not really looking to add to it. So because Jeremy is coming up, that Tully texts him an adorable picture of this kitten and says, hey, you want to take a kitten home? And Jeremy says, haha, I'm not the one that you have to convince. Doesn't even mention it to me. Because it's important to know for the backstory that I am not a cat person. Uh, I am strongly not a cat person. And I would like to apologize, but if you are a cat person, prior to a couple of weeks ago, I judged you. I did not understand you. Um, I did not understand what motivated you. I did not understand why you made the choices that you made in this life. I didn't understand the value of your choices. Now, this is obviously I'm being hyperbolic that I didn't walk around being like, oh my gosh, cat people. But can you think of any group of people right now that you judge. You're like, I judge people who have a big age gap in their romantic relationships, or I judge people who are this religion, or I judge immigrants, or you know, whatever your thing is that comes to mind. Maybe some of them are far more problematic, but we all have these little light judgments of like, I judge people who don't drink coffee. I judge people who do drink coffee. And in my case, it goes back, as many of our unfair judgments do, to my childhood, where my parents had a cat when I was maybe like high school or so. Like I wasn't really around the cat much. It was not my cat. And the cat, oh bless his heart or her heart. I don't even remember the gender of the cat, friends. Um, the name was Tigger. I think she was a girl. Something bad happened to Tigger. You know the Oprah book, What Happened to You? Something bad happened to Tigger early in her life. And when my parents went to the shelter, she was the only cat left, and they took her. And she had been traumatized, obviously, early in her life, and she just never got over it. She lived with my parents for 15 or 18 years or something. And when you walked into a room, she would she would run. As soon as somebody came to the door, she would run. She spent most of her life under the bed. She was rarely out. No one got to pet her. She would sometimes sit on my mom's lap, but it was like so few and far between. So to me, I just thought like, what is the point of a cat? And I had all these other little things of like a litter box smells and whatever. So this is not a huge deal in life, right? I'm not deeply debating and and going over why I'm not a cat person. I'm just not. 
But I do meet my husband. He loves animals. He loves our friend Tully's cats. If I was a cat person, he totally would have had a cat. I've sort of resigned myself that like once we get a dog, maybe, why not also get a cat? I don't know, but I'm kind of hoping the dog will just be enough. But it is worth noting that I had in fact put energy, little bits over time, into forming my decision. Even knowing that I had a husband who would really be into one, I did have clear reasons why I didn't want to make that decision. And I'm sure you have your own. You have your own opinions about, I would never do IVF. I would never have an abortion. I would, whatever those things are, that you would say, oh yeah, I've, I've, I haven't really even been faced with that. No one's offered me a kitten. No one's off, No one's told me that I have infertility or pregnancy, but I just already have an opinion. I've already decided, I know what my decision is, what I would decide. Uh, we know what we want to do. So that's the background of coming into this. And again, this is a sort of light, whimsical example with the cat, but I think there are deeper implications here when we think about how many things we believe we already know, what we would want, what would make me make us happy, and why or why not. And we are pretty firm in those. So firm that my husband doesn't even bother to mention the, the reality of this cat to me. He sees the text and is like, yeah, no, I already know what her decision is. That is going to be a no. So that Thursday, while my husband is at the farm, we FaceTimed. And that in and of itself is not normal. And I think it's just worthy to know all these little tiny moments that are going to add up to something happening. And again, for me, spoiler alert, it ends with me getting a cat. For you, it might end up with you getting your dream role in a film or meeting your partner or how you ended up in bankruptcy or how you got out of debt. There's this little moment that says something specific had to happen for me to FaceTime my husband. If he's gone for a night or two, I don't FaceTime him. We would text like morning and good night, but otherwise we don't FaceTime. It's very rare. But the reason that I FaceTime him on Thursday is because on Wednesday, I had gone to acupuncture. And I, on Thursday, was so exhausted from that acupuncture, I could not explain it. Well, I just was exhausted in general. And then I Googled, is there any way that this could be from acupuncture? Because this is not making sense. Everything that I know about my rest and where I'm at and my motivation and my mindset, I, I cannot explain this feeling in my body. I, meanwhile, was on a deadline. I was creating my new course, Healing Burnout. We were just about to film. I was reviewing all of the scripts and doing my final prep. And so I am starting to panic. I'm feeling a little bit like I can't, I'm sort of stunned that this is happening. I don't really know what to do about it. And so I call him to, you know, in this vulnerable moment, I FaceTime him. And what I said to him was, I can't blame myself for scheduling this appointment yesterday because I had no idea that this could be the outcome. And I know that I was trying to do the right thing. I thought through, you know what? I'm going to schedule this appointment for 4.30. That means I'm going to leave work a little early. And that's wise. That's wise when I'm headed into filming. I don't want to get burnt out. I don't want to push myself. I'm prioritizing my healing. This is walking the walk of what I teach in this course. I've done acupuncture before. I have no reason to think it's going to make me exhausted. That has never been an outcome in the past. This person I'm going to is highly recommended by two people I trust, I'm not walking into a situation blind. And so I want to encourage you in that to notice if you beat yourself up, which I do a lot, for choices you made when it did turn out bad, but at the time, your decision-making criteria was wise. 
your decision-making criteria was wise. And so I will say I was very grateful for the work I had done in healing my burnout at that moment because I didn't move into self-blame, self-shame, berating. I just was a little stunned. Like, how did this happen? So how did actually the decision to even go to acupuncture happen on Wednesday? I really have no idea. I have no conscious memory of like why I, when I made that appointment, why I felt I needed that appointment that week. And I wonder for you, how often do you do something and you really can't remember consciously thinking to do it? Like it wasn't this big conscious decision. I do know it was a conscious decision to say, I'll leave it for 30. That feels good. Like he has an evening opening this week. Yes, that works. But the actual run through of like, why did you decide that you needed to go to acupuncture two days before you filmed something? Yeah, I couldn't tell you. My best guess though is that I may have been procrastinating. Wondering if anyone, if any listeners out there on the line can relate to procrastination. I imagine I was probably checking personal tasks off my list to avoid bigger, more complex business ones. And or I was just clearing clutter, which is not a bad thing at all, so that I could think more clearly. I'm going into this big project. I'm wanting to be clear. And sometimes you just do walk around the house and pick things up. And I believe that there is research behind this that ties into, yes, visual clutter is mental clutter. So sometimes even on my virtual to-do list, it's like, let me just check a few things off. It'll feel a little clearer. I'll feel a little bit more momentum because... Actually, I had made the more conscious decision to go to acupuncture two months earlier, which started with the decision to go to the chiropractor. Now, that's a basic frequent decision. I've been going to this chiropractor for years. I go to him often. I get frequent neck pain. I can just tell when I start to like toggle my neck neck back and forth trying to crack it that it's time to go. So that was an easy one. Oh, yeah. Normal decision. Just like making yourself a cup of coffee in the morning. So I go and it's a coincidence that when I go, I'm having an allergy attack. And these are, again, those little divine moments. I hate allergy attacks. I uh, am the special soul that has non-allergic rhinitis, which means I have allergies. They just can't explain and nothing can be done about. Um, they, They drive me so crazy. They make me feel like my body is attacking me. So I'm so frustrated when these happen. But I walk in and I'm having one and my chiropractor Juan says, I went to my buddy here in the building who does acupuncture, and he totally helped me with my allergies. And I say, you know what? I think one of my best friends was raving about that acupuncturist. She had horrible postpartum depression and anxiety, and he was like the one of the main saving graces for her. So this is divine coincidence number two. I see him when I have have allergies. He mentions to me that he's been to BART. And then I'm like, actually, one of my best friends has already raved about BART. These are two people that are raving about BART. So I'm like, what do I have to lose, I guess, by trying it for the allergies? Because they do really drive me crazy. So I schedule it. And then I get sick. I get a horrible cold in August. I am out for almost a full week. My energy is so low. I'm just, I was out for more days than I was when I got COVID a couple months later. I get sick and I am peeved. I am so frustrated. This is not a decision. There is nothing that I could have done. Even when I got COVID, I was like, well, I chose to go to this wedding in Philadelphia. I was on the subway. I was on a train. I was around people. I don't regret it. I own that decision. When I got the cold, I have no idea what decision led to that. It was just, I would say, coincidence number three. 
So I get a cold and that's when my acupuncture appointment was. So I have to cancel the appointment. And had I gone, I would have had that exhaustion moment, which by the way, when I went back to him the next week, for anyone who's curious, and I was like, I felt so exhausted. And he said, yeah, that's because the treatment that we did basically dropped you more into your parasympathetic nervous system. This is something that we talk about in the Healing Burnout course. And it's almost like it showed you this is your real level of energy. You are masking in all of these other ways. And this was kind of your body being like, here's who we are if you really want to listen to us, which was very convicting and compelling and made me want to dive so much deeper into all of my healing burnout teaching. But had I gone, I would have had that exhaustion moment in August, which means no cat. The cat wouldn't have been at Tully and Liz's. Jeremy wouldn't have been at Tully and Liz's. I don't know where Mr. Freddy Cappuccino was in the world. It breaks our heart to think about. But because my friend had postpartum depression and because I got allergies and a cold, and because that friend came to an acupuncturist in my neighborhood, so she asked me to babysit one time, which is the only reason I even knew that she went to an acupuncturist in this neighborhood. I didn't remember his name, but I knew he was in that building because she had told me. And that, he, that that acupuncturist happens to be in the same building as my chiropractor, and my chiropractor happens to have connected with him. Those are seven things, some small, some big. Getting postpartum depression is really big. Me having an allergy attack that day is really small. But none of them are choices that I made. And it makes my mind fizz on how many big or small things fall into place for something to happen in your life. Things that are out of your control or happen to other people or have to do with their choices, like where they sign a lease and when they decide to get medical treatment for something. So when you start to see it like a big web, like one of those big contraptions, I wish I knew what they were called, but I feel like I'll, I'll, I'll see them on TikTok or whatever, where the ball rolls down and it hits the flap, which spins the wheel, which drops the water, and it's like this whole labyrinth. You start to see that we are all related and there is therefore more magic that we can see. We are making our wise decisions, yes, and providence or fate or the cosmos of everyone around us is also making choices for us or impacting our choices. It's that sliding doors moment. Have you seen that movie with Gwyneth Paltrow? I haven't watched it in years, but I loved that movie because I've always been fascinated by this idea of what's the other path your life could have taken. And in that instance is that there's a little girl walking up the steps of the subway. And in one instance, a parent pulls her out of the way and Gwyneth Paltrow is able to rush through the doors of the subway before they close. And in the other one, the parent doesn't pull her out. She gets stopped for a second. She misses the train. Then the next train is canceled and it, it ends up on these two diverging paths in her life. So because I go to acupuncture on that exact Wednesday, I FaceTime my husband while he is sitting with a kitten who is snuggling on him and purring. And I also that day had made the choice to be reviewing my scripts for the new course. So just that day, I've been reviewing the research that one of the ways we heal our nervous system is by petting cats and dogs. And that obviously, if you have one of these beautiful pets, then it is a, a constant daily thing all throughout the day that you can have that's healing your nervous system as opposed to what Jeremy and I get right now, which is once or twice a week, we'll go on a walk and find a dog that we can pet. And it's in a moment when I'm feeling especially vulnerable 
And remember, Jeremy was already offered the choice to take the kitten, to ask me about the kitten, but he thought I'd already made a choice. And it was simply the perfect circumstances of feeling exhausted, having done the research, FaceTiming him, he's with the cat, the cat's shown up. All of these things for months had to have been happening in the universe. Freddie was born in August. August is when I get sick. It's got to be almost a year earlier that my girlfriend gives birth and starts to experience postpartum depression and anxiety. I mean, we're talking really long tail when this goes back to a trauma, a genuine trauma and crisis that my friend was in a year ago that all leads to the perfect circumstances for me to make an unexpected decision that neither Jeremy or I, or our friends for that matter, who were probably thinking, what else will we do with the cat, were expecting. And the other part of decision-making that I keep pondering is how often do we not know what we want? Because we can't picture the reality. We're trying to make a call off of our best guess, our ideas, our fears, our assumptions, our hopes, our idealizations, but we can't know the true reality until we're in it. I would say that's the most of the time with our decisions. I mean, no one gets married thinking that they'll stay married just two years. But plenty of people divorce after a couple of years. So it's easy to think, oh, well, they didn't think it through. I would have. But can we know for sure that we didn't just get lucky with our choice? We had a few more circumstances that went our way and little serendipities and we got this little insight here, we got to spend more time with our family or we went through something hard together or we just got lucky that it worked. If you've heard my episode on debating whether to have children or not, if you have not, I will put the link in the show notes below, but I am doing my best to gather the research, observations, wisdom, anecdotes, everything that I I have, but I can't actually know until I do it or don't do it whether I am going to love being a parent. We make wrong calls a lot. You hire someone, you quit a job to take a job, you buy a house, you date someone for a year, you trust a friend, and it doesn't work out. We all have had those experiences where you look back and you think, why did I trust that person? Why did I like, gosh, that seemed like such a good idea at the at the time. I really thought, I really thought we had found the right church for us. I really thought we found the right school for our kids. I really thought this was a neighborhood where we were going to make community. I really thought that we bought at a good time in the market. I really thought we were ro- wise to invest our money in that thing. And we end up making wrong calls. And we judge other people often for their calls. Why would they have a baby at their age? Why would they have another baby? Why don't they have another baby? Why are they doing the gender reassignment surgery? Why doesn't she leave him? Why did he leave her? We have so many judgments of ourselves and others, even when we have the humility to see that we so often get it wrong ourselves. And then until you are actually in something, you really don't know. So why do we not give ourselves and one another grace for the not knowing when we choose or the not knowing what we don't know of someone else's choices. So in this light and fun example today of the kitten, I thought cats run and hide. They don't spend time or snuggle. And that was based on experience. 
So someone here may have had one experience with an Amish person or an autistic person. No, you know, one person that got an abortion and that's their main experience that they are basing their decision on, their decision to like something or dislike something before or against something. I thought that litter boxes smell. I was like, that was one of my main things. I would not want a litter box in the house. And I think that I remember not liking the smell of the litter box, my parents' cat, but this was also like 15 years ago. And I wasn't the one that cleaned out the litter box or anything, but I just had this memory in my head like, oh, that's gross. I thought cat hair is annoying, though I was fine with dog hair. Because when there's enough pros, we are okay with the cons. And when we don't see what the pros are or the pros are not deeply meaningful and important to us, we will list out all of the cons. And that's what we do often in politics and culture, right? Like we'll have one story or experience or none. We list out all of the cons without considering the pros or vice versa. What are all of our pros without considering the cons? We aren't great at gray area, at nuance, at a willingness to say, I don't know. I haven't experienced that before. Maybe I would like it. Maybe I wouldn't. We tend to have fairly firm opinions already drafted about what we think we would and would not like and why and what we would and would not do in certain situations and why. We are not great at a willingness to say, you know what? I was wrong about that. And I'm going to, therefore, change my mind. And this is no big deal. But meanwhile, the providence of magical Mr. Freddy Cappuccino is he loves to be in the room where we are. He always wants to be near us. He will sit by our feet. He will press himself up uh, against his leg. He will sit between the two of us on the couch. He will sit between the two of us on the bed. He is such a people person. He's all about the snuggles and the quality time and, uh, and the affection and all of my love languages. The litter box does not smell at all. Now, this was 15 years ago. Maybe they have updated what litter and litter boxes are like. It literally does not smell to me at all whatsoever. I have never once noticed a cat hair on my clothing, on the furniture. I probably also would have been upset or concerned, rather, about the furniture, thinking, oh, is he going to claw at the furniture? It didn't even really occur to me. But I realized once he got here, I don't, I'm just not that obsessed with it. I don't want to, I just don't want to be on pins and needles afraid for one second he's going to claw at something. I just, that would have been a major con. But when the pro of how magical and warm and how happy he makes us is so much bigger, that con eh, doesn't, doesn't seem like that much. And if Mr. Freddy Cappuccino hadn't been snuggling with Jeremy and showing that he was warm and cuddly and affectionate. He wasn't scared. He wasn't running off. He wasn't hiding. He didn't not want to be around people. I wouldn't have even considered it. But it was just the right time, right place, right person. And suddenly my well-thought-out decision that I was anti-cat totally changed. Which makes me think, number one, I will keep using my wisdom and experiences to make my best choices, but I will also notice and be more open to looking for the magic, to looking for the God in what unfolds, to doing my very best to make the plans, but also being a little bit more curious now, do you have another surprise and delight for me? Do you have something else that's even better than what I have thought? Number two it encourages me to consider this 
providence or fate or purpose in the decisions that I'm making or are being made for me. Because again, sometimes the other person ends the relationship, you get let go from the job, where I can't see the end yet, which is many of them. Because many of the big things that are happening to us or we are choosing to have happen, we don't know the next day. Okay, that's the end of the story. Like, put a bow on that. There you go. So many of them, we can't yet see the end. We can't see all of the dominoes that are going to impact us. I mean, let's let's get meta for a second. My friend having postpartum depression, that actually didn't start a year earlier. That actually started nine months earlier when she got pregnant, which actually started a year earlier when she decided that she wanted to get pregnant. And never in a million years would you think, you know, my decision, back to that podcast episode, my decision of whether or not to have a child or not could end up years later impacting a friend of mine in something that heals her nervous system, brings her joy, gives her and her husband more connection, and changes their life for the next 20 years because that's like about how long a cat lives. I mean, it really kind of boggles the mind when you think about how our friends' lives that are totally about them but had a little ripple effect into something really meaningful in in ours. And so maybe whatever negative thing, the, re- the relationship ends when you didn't want it to, the job ends when you didn't want it to, you get the cold when you really didn't want to and it felt like it was the horrible time and it put you so behind. Maybe it is happening for you. Could there be a possibility that this cold, in my case, actually gives me a gift two months later? In the moment, it feels like all it's doing is stealing. It is stealing my week. But ultimately, if I was patient two months longer, I could see, you know what? I think this is actually giving me so much sweetness and joy and healing for two decades And would I trade that for a week of being productive and just laying in bed and resting? Like, yeah, I would. I didn't get to make that decision. But in it, can I still see how it might be happening for me? And number three, it inspires me, encourages me, and reminds me to stay humble that I don't know everything. That things I think I loathe, I might love. Things that I do not understand, I might come to adore. Things I don't think are worth it, totally are. Things I think have only cons have more pros that actually make the cons feel, meh, meh, whatevs, I don't really care. That things I think are wrong are right. And personally, because I am a person of faith, I really believe God gave us this soft ball of cuddling and sitting in close proximity because Jeremy and I need healing from this year. And Freddie needs rescuing. And thanks to Freddie, we are being more present in the sweetness of doing nothing. His name came from cappuccino was what I just came to me when I looked into his eyes for the first time because his eyes have that coffee color. And um, I thought, actually, like, yeah, that when, when do I have a cappuccino? It's when I'm relaxing in on vacation in the morning when I'm having a leisurely dinner and I want to get a decaf cappuccino afterwards. And I wanted a name, name that meant healer or peace or calm. Frederick means peace. Um, and if you saw our reels about our Halloween costume, it was also a nod to the chicest cat-loving New Yorker, Miss Holly Lightly. But the truth is, Jeremy and I are honestly more in love with each other. 
we've talked about it. And I imagine if you have had a pet with a partner or if you have had a child with a partner, no, I'm not equating a pet with a child, but I do think there is a similar sense of that people always say, you didn't realize your heart could get bigger. You didn't realize you could love more because you weren't walking around thinking, eh, I'm like 97% in love with my husband. Like there's a little room in there. You think, no, I'm totally in love with this person. And they're like, wait a minute, how can I love you more than I did a couple of weeks ago. He is the best cat dad. It's so fun to have something that we share, that we both love, we both want the best for. And for the next 20 years, I have this darling little reminder that I can be wrong. And not wrong, you know, normally when we talk about the word wrong, it feels bad, right? You don't want to be wrong because usually that means like you stood up for something and you were wrong. You, you yelled at someone and that was bad. But in this case, wrong just means there was more joy than I realized was possible. I There was something more that I could love and like and be delighted by and be blessed by that I didn't realize. And now there's a real softness to that word of wrong that says, oh my gosh, I was, I now want to stay more open to God having an even better decision than the best one that you've been able to come up with. That definition of wrong where you're like, I thought this was as good as it could get, but I was wrong. It gets better. It's the wrong that you say with a smile on your face instead of being like, frick, I was wrong. Or like, okay, fine, I was wrong. You're like, um, I was wrong. This is, this is better than I realized it was going to be. And so I am curious what the serendipities are in your life. When did you think you totally knew what you wanted or you had a plan and life surprised you with something better? Mine are how I met my husband, uh, characteristics of my husband, how we got our dream apartment, the kind of apartment that we live in. I have a lot of these other stories in my life. But there is something very whimsical and delightful about a human organism, you know, as opposed to like an apartment. It's this little being. And you know, as as an adult, if you're desiring a relationship, that someone out there of your same sexual orientation is also desiring a relationship. So it's delightful and magical when you meet, but you also know like, well, that was the plan the whole time. But to be caught off guard by something that wasn't the plan And then to think, we can't explain where this little being came from. There's not a logical story that makes sense. He was so tiny. How could he have ended up crossing this big farm? There's a big road outside. Like, how was he here? There is just an element of of mystery and magic and whimsy to it that I think makes it an especially delightful story. So I hope this inspires you to have a little more magic and a little less micromanaging in your decisions percolate on that this week, and I will see you back here next Wednesday to go deeper on how we do this everyday thing of making choices and decisions just a little better. You're welcome in advance. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is going home for Thanksgiving which when this goes live, I will be leaving in two days. Not that I am counting. I'm totally counting. I will not have seen my family in four months. And I am just really craving for that to be more often. I don't know how often you get to see your family and how often you wish you could. I saw them more than ever in July because we went out to California for quite a few weeks. But 
it is still just feeling like it's been so long. So we alternate holidays with my brother-in-law's family. So my sister's kids New Christmas with their family one year, ours the next. So this year is our Thanksgiving with them. And then we do a mini Christmas morning the day after. And what I love most about going home is that (laughs) – and I didn't think about this actually to tie into today's episode – when I started to say this, but what I love most about going home is that there are almost no decisions to make because decisions are exhausting. It's like, I I don't overthink what I'm going to pack. We do one family photo shoot and we go home. Other than that, whatevs. I just like throw whatever in my suitcase. I throw on easy clothes every day. There's no one to see. There's no one to impress. I eat whatever is there. My brother-in-law is an amazing cook. My mom has like the pantry all stacked. We go to the park or we watch a movie, but I don't really care what we do. So whatever someone else decides, great. You want to watch Elf? Awesome. You want to take a walk? Lovely. Let's do that. The time is precious while I'm there because I don't get to see them that often. So I don't want to be working. I don't want to be doing online errands. And by the way, let me just also say, if you are working over the holidays, I want you to know that I was there for a lot of years. Like, I understand how painful that is. And I'm I'm just remembering all of a sudden sitting in the Starbucks parking lot one Thanksgiving, like weeping on the phone with my project manager because we, I don't know, there there'd been a delay, there'd been a dropped ball, and we were still trying to get some videos out for a launch. And I was just like, my family is at home. I can't believe I'm sitting here trying to get this done. Like, and it wasn't her fault. We were just, you know, processing. So I just want you to know that I have had those times That's part of why I worked so hard to heal my burnout and to create this more elegant excellence lifestyle because I did not want that to be the case. That was one of the most painful things to me. So I am off my phone pretty much the whole time that I'm there other than to take some photos or videos of the kids. And this year, the youngest of the three is just talking. So Jeremy and I are pretty thrilled for that. She's just over two. And the last time we saw her, it was still just pointing and shaking her head. So she's really all the entertainment we we need. We are here for the Annabelle show. So whether you are seeing family or wherever in the world you are, I truly hope that you are and can and will carve out some genuine rest for yourself in the next six weeks of this holiday season and let it be a time when there are very few decisions none of big consequence, and lots of time to just be and enjoy and appreciate your life and the decisions you've already made that brought you to this place. Till next Wednesday. 